0: My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a spy.
1: My name is Brie Castellini. I used to not have a library card.
0: And this is Burn Notice, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece, Burn Notice, about Michael Weston, a spy. Throughout
1: this podcast, we'll be rating each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice.
0: If you want to get in touch with us for any reason, unless you want to criticize us, which isn't possible because we're perfect, check the episode notes for our contact info.
1: I still like brace my soul for that full big paragraph, even though we've stopped doing the full big paragraph. And then it's like, oh God, it's over. We have to do the intro now. Exactly. (laughs) The intro that isn't scripted
0: is isn't scripted, and it's about the library and not Star Trek. I think you're going to talk about Star Trek.
1: I haven't seen enough Star Trek to have enough to say to you about it, because I know that you're going to need to have a full conversation Oh, totally. With me. All that I've watched of Star Trek so far, I watched Wrath of Khan. I watched uh, Save the Whales. I watched the two-parter opening the, of TNG, uh, yeah. which was very confusing at a certain point. And I was like, I bring back the strange man with the silly costumes. I like him. And then... I have
0: some... Wonderful news for you.
1: <laughs> Does he come back? Is that why you have Q in it, like the later on? Yeah. So I, I, the other, the most recent one I watched was I watched the Data courtroom drama. Yeah, one, which was fun. And as I'm watching and like watching Jonathan Frakes swagger around, I'm like, I see why he is how he is. Yeah, because if you look like that. And have that easy of charisma in this time period? Yeah. Of course that's how you turned out.
0: Exactly. Yeah, no, that is the thing about Jonathan Franks It is, like, crucial to understand Jonathan Franks as a human being, to know that this is what he did in the late 80s, late 80s and early 90s. Mm,
1: I mean, he looks good. He does a good yeah. job. He he looks a lot like the guy, Carl, what's his name, who plays Bones in the new Star Trek.
0: Oh, Carl Urban. Yeah, yeah. from some does. angles, he
1: kind of looks like young Jonathan Franks kind of looks like Carl, looks like yeah. Carl Urban
0: oh anyway but we're gonna talk about star trek later (laughs) tell me about the library
1: yeah so uh i haven't had a library card since i was in high school and i had a library card uh partially because you know i was in high school and there wasn't a lot to do but also because my volunteer hours that i had to do for the national honor society i did primarily at the library but then when i finished my hours and it was like close enough to graduation that like i and i kind of ran out of time to do them to do more anyways like they emailed me to Like scheduled me on a new volunteer shift, and I just never went back. Yeah, (laughs) I never went back, and I was so ashamed that even years later, when I went back to Grand Junction, I was like, I kind of want to go to the library, but I can't. can't. What if (laughs) they know me there? So then I just like that shame has carried me through most of my life, and then I never was close enough in New York for to like really justify it. Right. And also at that point, I hadn't been reading a lot. You know, I I left books behind, but then but now they're back. But now books are back, baby. And I have read 30 books in the last two weeks. It's and so many books. It's a lot. I mean, it's it's all romance novels. So they're much. all short. But yeah, but still. Right. They're short. They're easy reads. But I've been really enjoying it. But it got to the point where I was like, because I was just buying them on iBooks because that's how I've been buying books. How for the many best. books
0: a day are you reading on average? Uh 2 to
1: 3 depending on how, how yeah. long my workday is and if I have stuff afterwards.
0: Right. Are you listening to them or are you like reading No, I'm them? reading them okay. like
1: on ebooks. So oh. like I was buying them because a lot of romance novels are like three to six bucks. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm reading like two to three books a day. (laughs) And at a certain point, the books that I wanted to read were like starting to be like $9.99. And I was like, I cannot keep just buying books because I I have no doubt that I will reread a lot of these because every one that I bought other than one I really enjoyed. But I was like, I have to slow down because clearly this is not, this isn't just like a a weekend sort of like insanity. This is a thing that like, I'm going to do for a while. Yeah. So I was like, I can't do this and I know my mom with her library card gets ebooks like right. she doesn't visit the physical library and there's apparently a there's an app called Libby where if you yeah. have a valid library card you can like put holds on and and <laughs> to say rent and borrow books uh, ebooks and right it's yeah. like well I'm already reading ebooks that sounds great. So Quinn and I went and we got library cards. We got our library card on Thursday. We're recording this on Sunday. I've already read six books just through the library. But like a lot of the books that I want are like on hold. So I've had to just place at my maximum number of holds. And then as soon as things become available, I read it instantly. I turn it back in and I'm like, give me another one library. So like, why is it on hold? Because I th- I think there's, there's a s- similar level of like scarcity in terms of like how many ebooks of a book a library is allowed to give out at a time like they can't infinitely borrow out books Right. So yeah. there has to be some level of. So it's an artificial scarcity. Exactly. Sort of, yeah. It, it, from what I understand. Got it. Uh, sometimes you can skip the line. There was a couple books that I was able to skip the line for, but it meant that I could only have them for seven days instead of twenty one, which is normally the period. Right. But it's like it's an ebook, and I'm reading these in twelve hours or less. Right. <laughs> like that's not a concern of mine. The only thing that I don't like is that it makes it a little harder to keep up with which books I have read because iBooks just gives me like a list of like what. Day I finished books on and which ones they are. So I've started a, uh, a spreadsheet. <laughs> I've started a spreadsheet so I can keep track. Because like at this point, I've read truly so many books that I'm like having trouble keeping track, and I want to have a count at the end of the year. And, so you're gonna write uh, one? Uh, no, I'm not gonna write one. Probably not yet. Just because it's too off brand. This yeah. is the unfortunate thing. People keep being like, "Who are you gonna write a rom com? Ooh are you gonna write a romance novel?" And I'm like. I mean, I have ideas, but no, because that's not the thing I want to do. Like, that doesn't go with the brand. I have to stick to the brand. But I really do like romance novels. I've gotten there, th- I, I, I will, for my recommendations, since I've talked about this, I think two or three weeks in a row now, my author recommendations are Kate Claiborne, if you like modern romances, so like set in modern day. Hers have like this really lovely Hallmark quality to them where like their jobs are super specific. Like the most recent one of Kate Claiborne's I read was about a hand letterer. Like she, she was like a hand letterer, calligrapher kind of person.
0: For who? Like, what is,
1: like... She's, like, a freelancer. And so her thing is that she, her main thing right now is she's a freelancer, but she designs, like, planners for people. So they hire her to make them, like, beautiful, customized, hand-lettered planners. Then I would say Evie Dunmore and Lorraine Heath are two really solid uh, non-modern ones. Oh, also Christina Lauren. I've, I'm have i working my way through several of their books. Christina Lauren is a combined pen name of two authors. So it's a, it's a writing partnership who go by the name Christina Lauren. Yeah. I like her a lot too. Hers I like especially because they commit most to... Dual perspectives, so you get the girl and the boys. Oh, that's fun version, and like that happens in a lot of them, but it's not as common. A lot of times they'll pick somebody, and then if you like rougher sex, Tessa Bailey has got you covered. That's not really my thing. (laughs) I like her books; I think they're interesting, and I I like her writing a lot. But like the sex is rougher. (laughs) It's not like kinky rough, but it's like you know these sweet guys that as soon as they're in the bedroom, the girls are like talk dirty to me and use me like a puppet. (laughs) Use your dick in my pussy like a puppet. You know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's like, maybe that's not as rough as I think it is. My, you know, virgin asexual ears or whatever. I'm not a virgin, but you know what I mean. But like, maybe I'm more sensitive to it, but it's a lot.
0: I like how you felt the need to like clarify that you're not a virgin.
1: <laughs>
0: no, I'm not some punk virgin. But yeah, it's, it's, so yeah, that, that's what I would say there. Oh, you've talked enough about uh, things that are not Burn Notice. Let's talk about Burn Notice. All right. So this episode, Season 7, Episode 4, Brothers in Arms, aired on June 27, 2013. It was written by Alfredo Barrios Jr. Mm -hmm. and directed by Jenny Gordon. The premise is, in order to help Michael free a prisoner trapped in Cuba by the Russians, Fiona and Maddie must frame a corrupt bureaucrat. Was he even corrupt? He was vaguely corrupt. They, like, mentioned it. He was tangentially
1: corrupt, but it felt like they found that out afterwards.
0: No, I think, like, like,
1: they... It felt like they set him up and then discovered he was, like, also kind of shady and were like, thank God.
0: I think so, maybe. Or maybe they found, like... I think when they introduced him... Here's the thing. I think when they introduced him, they said that he was corrupt, but they didn't say it in a way that sounded like he was corrupt. I think then, like, they said, like... They were trying to say, oh, he's got a bunch of hot side hustles doing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But it sounded like he was doing it for the Russians.
1: Yeah, that was what confused me. Like, yeah. It sounded like he was just a guy that they happened to know of. And they're like, cool, I guess we'll frame him.
0: <laughs> exactly. But no, apparently, like, he's doing all this stuff on the side, not for the Russians. So he
1: deserved it, is what you're
0: saying. Or like, but that is why they're targeting him
1: got it okay well let's get into the weeds and get into the specifics all
0: right well before we get to him the episode opens with a scene in which michael is on a secret mission while burke while burke interrogates serrano from last week the other terrorist Mm -hmm. the nice guy terrorist (laughs) and he's interrogating serrano and if serrano does not talk michael will shoot his daughter Mm -hmm. like michael is like going through his daughter's house and like serrano like burke like pulls this like ipad and is like And it takes Serrano too long to recognize his own house, Mm -hmm. frankly.
1: Yeah, and his, like, sleeping six-year-old daughter that Michael has on uh, night vision.
0: On night vision. Who, like, is sleeping very soundly. She, like, kind of tosses and turns over. Does not open her eyes. Mm -mm. At any point, notice that there is, like, a bathroom sign of a man in her room. (laughs) Anyway, but this works because Serrano's a nice guy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, doesn't want his daughter to die. Exactly. And so he gives Burke the information that Burke wants, which is that there is an unidentified woman, who we later learned is named Sonia, who is being held in a Russian black site in Cuba. And, like, Burke didn't know where she was. Now he does. That means the daughter can live. And then Michael just, like grabs a teddy bear and puts it next to her
1: yeah in a way that like doesn't seem gentle enough to not wake her up right and also i was thinking i was like i feel like it would be weird if all of a sudden one of my toys was on my bed and i I knew i didn't
0: go to bed with it right i would freak the fuck out and then also my dad's dead because this is the scene ends with like him saying like the russians are gonna come for me it's like they won't come for your family if you kill yourself so like yeah michael and michael listens to the guy shoot himself while putting the doll by the daughter. Mm-hmm. It's the most, like, needlessly hardcore shit. It's so hardcore. Like, it's literally, so like, hard. Burke,
1: like, takes a gun apart, puts a single bullet on the desk, and he's like, you know how to stop them from going after your family, and then leaves the room. And, like, I guess, whatever. And, and the guy shoots
0: himself as Michael listens. It's so interesting, because I feel like this season is doing these kind of, like like, non-typical Burn Notice episodes mm-hmm. that are like, a little more stylistically out there than they have been doing in the past. And definitely darker. And definitely darker. And so I was actually kind of curious going into this episode what Alfredo Barrios (laughs) Jr.'s version of this would be. Uh And apparently it's just like... grim dark nonsense
1: Uh i feel Uh, like the the teddy bear scene would have worked for me if we had seen her like stir and the teddy bear fall off the bed and then he picks it up and puts it back in
0: that would work so much better Mm -hmm. just like that
1: tiny little change yeah that's my only note though denny gordon everything else is fine right we love you come
0: on the show come on the show anyway so michael calls agent strong and tells him i don't work with burke anymore he made me almost shoot a child that's fucked up." I don't want to do that. But he also says that Burke has a new, like, job now that he has this information. And he wants Sam and Jesse back. He is so happy that Sam... <laughs> well, you know, Burke loves his team. Loves teams. Loves so much. So he's like, we're going to have Sam and Jesse, my guys. They're coming back. They're going to do some more stuff. And so they're going to break this woman, Sonia, out of the Russian black site in Cuba. Mm-hmm. And so Sam and Jesse reluctantly arrive in Cuba. They don't want to be there because it's communist Mm -hmm. and complain about doing the job. And Michael explains that they have to find out who Burke is working for. That's why they still have to keep doing this. Mm -hmm. Like, I know we want to be done, but like, there's a, there's a guy behind the guy. Mm -hmm. It's burn notice. Yep. We got to find out who that is. So they scope out the place with Burke and it's very high security, this Russian place. No, it's a Russian m- black site. It's a Russian black site. There's no way to get in or out. Or, like, get, get her in. Or she's already in. Get yeah. her out once you get in. It is mm-hmm. just, there's cameras, there's guards. Like, the door seems kind of heavy. <laughs> so Michael has the idea that they have to convince the Russians that the CIA is onto them, so they have to move her out of the site. The yeah. whole idea is we have to get them to take her out of this building. Because we cannot take her out mm-hmm. they just need some kind of proof so jesse says that he knows a russian intelligence intelligence guy in miami that apparently is corrupt mm-hmm. apparently yeah and they can frame him for being a traitor they just need someone to grab him mm-hmm. michael calls fee
1: yeah he says i'll call fee yeah and i was like i mean good for you because like if it is a job for you like it's it's good of you to call her but yeah. i also can't help but think Perhaps there was another person who was not Michael who could be more persuasive.
0: No, I think he makes the right move. He totally does, but it's like... Yeah, I think he makes the right move here.
1: Woof. Yeah, he calls Fee. While she's setting up a romantic dinner with lipstick and everything.
0: And says that she needs her help and she's like, fuck off. I'm trying to get my shit together. And Michael apologizes for the fact that, like, he did not... He went back in and he, like, said he was going to be out and everything and it's like you know what, you've moved on, you're getting your shit together, I'm glad. Like, that's what you need, I'm really happy for you. Mm-hmm. And that convinces her to do it. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, yeah, whatever you need, I'm on board. So Fee and Madeline go to the Russian guy's house to kidnap him. we we'll eventually learn, I forget when, that his name is Ivan, for a while, I wasn't sure if his name was actually Ivan or if they were just calling him Ivan
1: for like racist reasons. Just
0: for racist reasons,
1: <laughs> yeah. They've gotten a lot looser about actually giving us people's names since yeah. we stopped having the lower thirds, right? Like I feel like there used to be a lot easier ways to tell us people's names, but recently I've gone like I. I Probably spent the first episode and a half not knowing Strong's name. You right. had to tell me that what his fucking
0: name was. Yeah, exactly. But this guy, his name's Ivan. They go to his house to kidnap him. Madeline asks why Fee asked her for help and not Carlos. And Fee says she doesn't want him to know that she's helping Michael. And so they go and they grab the guy. Meanwhile, back in Cuba, they give Michael a wound on his arm and then hide a bug in the bandage, which is cool. Yeah, I thought that was smart. I like that. I
1: thought that was smart, yeah. Oh, is the scene before this when Madeline's like, hey, not for nothing, but like lying to someone you're in a relationship with is bad for a
0: relationship. Oh, yeah, she does mention that. Yeah. It doesn't really come to anything.
1: It doesn't come to anything, but but it's relevant to sort of like where Fee is at with her love triangle.
0: Exactly. Like, this guy's gonna leave her, Mm -hmm. which is funny cuz they all love Carlos. I don't know how Carlos and Madeline get along. That's well, what I'm he, he curious about. He was playing
1: with Charlie a couple of Yeah, exactly. Ago. So it's
0: it seems cool. like she trusts him enough to play with Charlie. Exactly. Like, well, no, and that like Carlos is like not totally weird uh, like and is totally cool with the fact that they just regularly hang out with the mom of her ex that she like <laughs> like everyone is like obsessed with this other guy. <laughs> They hang out with his mom. They like... (laughs) And his nephew. They're always doing stuff for him. Like, I really want an episode that's like from Carlos's point of view. I want to know... I
1: want him and Campbell to get together.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Like, I want to understand Carlos's perspective on all of this. Because Mm -hmm. it's an insane situation that he has stepped into.
1: Yeah. Truly, truly insane.
0: (sighs) Like, he has like walked into a cult, essentially. Mm -hmm. But yes, they... Put a wound on him. They put a bug on him. He just kind of walks up to the Russian black site and just knocks on the door and is like, hey, it's me, Michael Weston. You know that guy you hate? (laughs) I'm here. (laughs) So Michael is interrogated by a guy named Vladimir Dubov. Michael tells him that the CIA hates him now to the point of trying to kill him in Havana. Why is the CIA in Havana? They want to bust Sonia out of the black site. But Duboff does not buy it, but Michael says that they have a leak in Miami and they should check it out. Mm -hmm. So back in Miami... Fee and Madeline are driving around in a van with a tied up Russian guy named Ivan so that his phone GPS makes it look like he's doing spy shit. Mm -hmm. They park and Fee gets out to plant some evidence that shows that he knows about the black site. And then uh, Ivan asks Madeline for some water and she, like a fool, gives it to him. Yeah, as soon as that happens,
1: I was like, wait for Fee to come back to say, sure, when my friend comes back, we'll both feed you water. I
0: literally said the same thing Mm -hmm. out loud to my laptop. Yep. They didn't listen.
1: Yeah, then there's another thing that happens with Ivan later that, like,
0: there's also of, seemed
1: like a trap and yeah, then was wasn't. Yeah, wasn't,
0: yeah, no, Ivan's, Ivan's whole deal is weird in this Yeah, scene, I, like, is episode. he dirty?
1: Is he incidentally dirty? Did they know who was dirty? How dirty? What kind of dirty? Like, right. what the fuck is Ivan's deal?
0: Well, well, we will learn Ivan's deal, but for now... Will we? I mean, the thing is, Ivan's deal, in the end, is that he is a family man, <laughs>
1: He's, who, got, he's got to see a, a woman about a girl or whatever. Yeah,
0: he has a girlfriend, but, like, he is, like, he is a good man who loves his family, so he is actually good. Like, that is where the episode ends. and oh, then in, Bar- in this Barrios Bar- Bar- yes. episode. But yeah, so he asks for water. Madeline gives him some water, and like he uses the opportunity to knock the gun out of her hand, and he like escapes out of the van. And Fee tries to chase him, but like they get on the other side of traffic. But Madeline comes around and cuts him off, and he runs and runs into the van. And Madeline pulls a gun on him, and it is pretty good.
1: It's pretty good,
0: but it's like you were really dumb to let him out in the first place. Like this was like this is kind of what happens with Madeline now, mm-hmm. where it's like. She's only smart in fixing the mistakes that she makes. Right. And it's like, that's not good. Mm-mm. She can be tricked without her being the fool. Exactly. Meanwhile, back in Cuba, they're waterboarding Michael <laughs> because that is the only torture that Americans know about because we did it. Yep. <laughs> like, it, was, it is really funny that, like, they make a point. of like, here are these communists waterboarding people. while that communists do that waterboard people my god we don't do that anymore (laughs) they're still doing it we learned that waterboarding was bad just like we we learned that one time that slavery was bad (laughs) america we're great yeah so they're waterboarding michael in order to get him to tell the truth michael maintains his story but duboff doesn't believe him because the guy that they're framing isn't nobody he just has a nice girlfriend and (laughs) is a family man doesn't know shit but then dubov gets a message from one of his guys that says Inexplic- inexplicably he does know shit <laughs> and dubov's like all, all right then that makes sense but i don't know sometimes shit happens so dubov sends guys to a location that michael gives them of where the cia is they're supposed to be there in like 15 minutes mm-hmm. the russians but apparently the russians also just call the police The Cuban police, so they don't have 15 minutes. So they have to, like, in order to get out of there, they have to jump off a balcony onto a bus. Mm -hmm. It's also got, like, suitcases suitcases on top top of the bus that sort of, like, Cushion cushion the fall a little bit. Yeah. I don't know how believable that is, but yeah. It's awfully convenient timing. It's awfully convenient timing. And they are not seen. But yeah, so they get onto the bus. It's also unclear to me why they were just setting up the CIA
1: black site. Presumably this was part of the plan, right? Yeah. That wasn't a pivot by Michael.
0: No, it wasn't. That would seem... To, well... Was it? Well, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it was a pivot by Michael. I know they didn't have, like, a ton of time. Yeah, but... they also had to get all of the stuff. I don't know. I think, like... Because they have to... <laughs> I think part of it might just be that you have to get all the stuff to make it look like the CIA was I there. I guess. It just it felt yeah. like
1: they were waiting for Michael to say, "Hey, there's a CIA black site" before they were like, "Okay, now we can destroy the fake black site."
0: It does seem like that. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, the
1: timing in this episode is bizarre. The- I think it
0: might that might actually just be a weird trick of the editing. You know, cuz I don't know if it's I don't know if they get like a call, let's say start fashion stuff but it
1: felt like but like because it they happens, got yeah it feels they, like they, they got, got call. called and then they did it but
0: i think it might just be that like
1: they gotta finish this up they
0: gotta finish this up like we cut from one scene to the other and they happened to just be starting
1: got it yeah i guess they were like spreading out papers and stuff yeah when they got the call exactly <laughs> but yeah
0: but they get on a bus and they get out of there. And Duboff tells Michael that they found the site and that the CIA left. And so it's fine. I'm just going to add more guards. I love this guy. I love Duboff. Because, like, Michael keeps telling him, you got to go. And he's like, no, this place is great. We're <laughs> not going anywhere. Like
1: I can waterboard people in here and nobody would ever know.
0: <laughs> exactly. Like, he, like, is so committed to staying that, like, normally when Michael is trying to convince someone to leave, like, he only has to convince them once.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But he's like... Looking for any excuse to not leave.
1: I mean, he's in a, a, a Russian black site. Exactly. If he knows how secure this location is. He's like, fuck you. I'm not going to
0: leave. Right. This it's is like, the best place we can be. Yeah, exactly. He says to Michael, I'm calling more guards. It's fine. The CIA can come get us. Try <laughs> it. I called more guards. I get the CIA are here. And Michael, so now he does have to pivot mm-hmm. and says, okay, but how did they know to smash all that stuff before you got there? Like, they must have been tipped off. You must have a traitor right here in your ranks. So Burke, who is listening to this, calls Jesse and Sam. And Sam is pissed because he twisted his ankle jumping on the, like, bus.
1: Yeah, he he complained a lot about having to escape.
0: Yeah, and there's a whole, like, little conversation where they, like, talk about where Jesse says, like, stop complaining. It's like, I'm not complaining. My foot hurts. It's like, yeah, that's complaining. (laughs)
1: I love these two idiots. I love them
0: so much. They are having fun this week. Mm -hmm. Burke tells them that they need to grab one of the Russians who are at the CIA site that they just ran away from. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so they do that. To
1: make him look like a traitor. To make him
0: look like a traitor. And be like, this guy, like, set them up or whatever. And so they go and grab him. But first they do this really great bit of business where, like... I know I guess in order to disguise themselves I don't, I don't know. even know why but they both grab like a hat from like a hat stand like they each grab a hat and uh, Jessie grabs like a cowboy hat mm-hmm. and like Sam grabs like a fedora and they're both like straw hats mm-hmm. and then they look at each other and look at the hats that they're holding and exchange the hats It's so
1: unnecessary and it's perfect it's I am obsessed s- with it it's, it's so
0: cute so good. Um, <laughs> I love it so much. Like, Like, this is
1: the kind of shit I wanted them to do last week. Where it's like, just these little moments. Give us something.
0: Yeah, and after that, they grab the guy. And it's fine. Meanwhile, back in Miami, Fee and Maddie ask Ivan for his bank account so they can make it look like he was sending money to the guy that Sam and Jesse just grabbed. And he agrees, but only after... (laughs) Which is
1: hilarious. Like, why would you agree to that? Fuck you. No.
0: And then he tells the story. This is the thing you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where he tells this sob story about how he has a girlfriend named Eva that he is putting through nursing school and that the money in the bank account that he has, apparently because he's been getting all of this money on side hustles. Right. And it's for her so he can put her through nursing school. And this is immediately after a scene where he does a ploy to escape. Right. So you would assume that this is also... A ploy to escape.
1: Yeah, and then does, yeah, that doesn't yeah. And this is the scene where he he's like, can you write her a letter for me and mail it?
0: Exactly, it's like, can you send her a message? Like he is a spy. The main thing that spies do is send encoded messages.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and, and like the way that this scene plays out is he's he's delivering these lines as if each sentence is a code phrase.
0: Exactly. And end it
1: with. Goodbye, Like, like there's so many dramatic pauses. Like, he is delivering this like he's sending a secret missive. Exactly. And it is wild to me that both Madeline and Fiona look like, oh, wow, a girlfriend in nursing school? Amazing. And I'm like, oh I cannot believe you two idiots are going to send an email for this spy.
0: And then also, they, like, pointedly don't send all of the money. They only send $500 to Cuba and then put the rest in a separate bank account for Ava the girlfriend who totally exists.
1: But, it's like, spoiler alert, she fucking exists and she does want to go to nursing school and she goes to the bus with him when they, like, send him off later.
0: But here's the thing, though. We never see her. No. We don't... They don't cast her? No. It could still be a thing. It could... Like, I think it's still a trick. I don't. I don't. Like, of course it's not. It's a real thing because this is Barrios. Mm -hmm. But, like, I want to believe that it's still a trick.
1: And it happens... Like m- near enough in the middle of the episode. Like it's I think we're in the the last not quite third yet. No, but, it's like
0: about halfway. But it's, it's like about like, halfway
1: yeah. through, so it's like it is wild that this just stands. Yeah, this is just a true thing he's said. <laughs> and that's and that's where we're leaving it. Why to what end?
0: What story does this tell, Barrios? Is that there's nothing better than a good family man who does his job. Anyway, <laughs> um uh, so in cuba Dubov tells michael that he believes him now like we're gonna leave this place we'll move sonia out of the site and you have a source with the cia can he get us out of the country and michael's like oh yeah totally we've got a boat ready mm-hmm. like we got this but then there's a problem Dubov gets a call from moscow saying that uh you don't need to go anywhere we have a sub nearby we have a nuclear submarine it's full of guys we have so many guys we're russia just, like, stay put. We're going to send so many guys. You don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. You can sit back and watch television. They can fucking have a big, giant gunfight with the CIA. It'll be great. He's like, isn't this and good
1: news? We don't have to leave.
0: We can leave. get comfy. And then he goes, and then he even says, and also, when they come, they're going to ferret out any more traitors. <laughs> like, you, thank you for telling me about that traitor. There might be more. So these guys got to come find all the traitors. <laughs> It's great. I love I love this guy. He's in things. I forgot to look him up.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. I I kind of thought he was from Burn Notice before. I don't think he is, but he he gives off the energy of like I've been in Burn Notice
0: before. Well, he's not been in Burn Notice before, but he's been in things like this. Exactly. He's just like one of those guys. Like you need like a Russian guy. That's not. Oh, it's just... Alana
1: Tall is Sonia. I didn't I yeah. got a good look at her. No,
0: yeah, oh, it I is Alana Tall. I know. I was gonna. I was debating if I wanted to mention it.
1: So yeah, because we always see her from like a
0: weird angle. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and I, and I always like having a competent bad guy who's like. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but in feedback, it's not about the suggestion. It's about why you're giving the suggestion. So if I can find a new way of incorporating how to deal with traitors in my myths, then I don't need to leave it. I, exactly. can, I can stay in my comfy home. Like, I just, like, really don't
0: want to leave the house today, Michael Weston. He, know, he knows how to, like, take a note mm-hmm. and, like, make it his own.
1: Exactly. And I love that for him.
0: Yeah. No, I love this guy. I, lo- I love when bad guys in Burn Notice are actually pretty chill guys. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite things. It's, like serato it's like yeah. this kind of guy he just seems like pleasant <laughs> even though this guy waterboarded
1: michael upon minutes of knowing him
0: yeah but he seems chill <laughs> <sighs> they just take michael and they leave him alone they leave him with some guards in a room with that has a cell in it and Sonya, the woman who is played by a lot of tall but like we just see her like pass out and mm-hmm, like with, with a bag, bag over, her, over her head
1: yeah and um, chains around her wrist exactly
0: And they leave Michael in there and kind of, like, lock him in there. They're not holding him, but they're like, "You're going to stay here. Mm -hmm. You know? I mean, you're so worried about this woman. Exactly.
1: (laughs) And it's unclear if she's, like, because she moves a little bit. So it's unclear if she's awake or drugged. I think we're supposed to uh, assume she's been drugged because they mention it later. But nobody ever really, like, makes a statement on her condition. Right. Beyond that she is alive.
0: Anyway. So Burke tells Sam and Jesse that they have to get Sonia and Michael out, and Sam and Jesse are skeptical skeptical that they can do that. But Mer- Burke makes an impassioned plea that he never leaves people behind, ever, mm-hmm. and he will like he will get them out. This and, is happening, and this is the moment you're like,
1: oh wow, Burke's, Burke's gonna sacrifice himself. Yeah, there's not a, as soon as Burke's like, I'm going in there. I'm like, oh, Burke's going in to die.
0: Yeah, Burke's going in to die. This and is, like this, this is, last episode, this is
1: where Adrian Pastar puts on like his full acting face yeah and it's like a very dramatic like i never leave a man behind never you know like he's doing this whole thing where it's like oh you're about to die you know that you're dying in two pages and so you're just giving it your all
0: yeah it's great no he does a good job with it yeah. i like it but yeah so his plan he's gonna go in posing as michael cia source and use a laptop that's full of c4 to blow his way out mm-hmm.
1: and they're like that sounds good you're gonna be clear of the explosion, right?"
0: It's like, sure. (laughs) For sure. I swear by my handsome jaw. (laughs) Yeah, so Burke arrives at the site and convinces Duboff that he has a laptop full of secrets, but he'll only give up if he has a minute alone with Michael. And he tells Michael that Sonia is his future, and he has to get her out. And then Michael realizes that this is a suicide mission. Burke leaves the room, opens up the laptop to show Burke... I don't know if there's... The C4 is visible. We don't actually see.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, Duboff clearly looks alarmed. So he sees something on the screen then, of the like, laptop before they explode.
0: Adrian Bessar has this shit grin on his face. Like, it is such a... It's a good face. It's a good face. In this extent, episode is fucking bizarre. <laughs> it is a weird-ass episode. It's a
1: very weird episode. Like, it feels like you're watching two separate episodes.
0: It really does. I kind of love it for that. Uh... But yeah, so he, blow, he uh, blows a hole in the wall. so And
1: in every Russian around him. And he- every
0: Russian around him. And Michael takes out the two guards that are like in his, in the room. He gets out with Sonia. And uh, Sam and you are like, where is Berg? He's like, he didn't make it. <laughs> anyway, so back in Miami, Fee and Madeline drive Ivan to a bus station, saying that the Russians are looking for him all over Miami, so he should get out of town. And they also say, well, no, first he says, did you send
1: my letter? And they're like, no. And he's like, what? That was part of the deal. And they're like, well, again,
0: at this point, I thought they were going to say, no, we didn't send the letter because it was an obvious ploy. Yeah. You're a spy. There's no Ava. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's
1: 100% what I thought was going to happen.
0: But instead they say, no, we didn't send the, (laughs) we didn't send the letter because she's here. She's on the bus. She's on the bus. She's waiting for you, Ivan. We've got you new identities. Everything's going to be fine. You're going to go to a farm upstate.
1: <laughs> so Fee, Fee has set them up with new identities. And Madeline's like, I also put some brochures in for nursing schools in Idaho or wherever the fuck they're sending them. And and Fee looks at her like, a surprise? Like, that wasn't also part of the plan? I'm like, what is happening? I. Why is this the ending? Who gives a shit about Ivan? He's been in two scenes.
0: Unbelievable. Pure, uncut Barrios. This is what it's like in his head. <laughs> it sucks. I mean, like, when it
1: sucks here.
0: <laughs> like, when he is not tied down by the format of Burn Notice. This is pure Barrios.
1: It's so saccharine for no reason. It it's is. like he's trying to make a, a what, what, fearless leader. He's trying to do his version of yeah. fearless leader, but he can't earn it. Because who gives a shit about Ivan?
0: No, the thing is that it is as intensely saccharine as the opening is intensely grimdark. Yeah. Like, it is. There's no consistency. No, but it's like, it is consistent in its intensity. I guess that's true. Like, that is the thing where it's like, Everything is pitched at this like ridiculous level where like there's no self-awareness at all. It's just like, we're going to do the most thing. Mm -hmm. We're going to do the most version of this. But yeah, so he's going to go to fucking Iowa or whatever.
1: Yeah, wherever they're going. Somewhere that starts with an I to get his girl through nursing school and, I don't know, find a job in construction and settle down.
0: Right. Meanwhile, back in Cuba, Michael and Jesse... No, No, Michael and Sam. Michael and Sam are scouting their way to their boat out of Cuba while Jesse watches an unconscious, quote-unquote, Sonia. However, their plans are cut short when it turns out that she's not unconscious, but now Jesse is. (laughs) So, and she escapes, and so now there's a new plan. Find Sonia. And that is how we end. Mm
1: -hmm. This is very interesting because it kind of gives me Simon Escher vibes where, like, he helps break somebody out of, like, a prison without knowing who or why, and then that person escapes. And now it's like, well, shit, who did I let into the world?
0: Right, exactly. It's a lot of right?
1: <clears throat> it's also interesting that Burke decides not to give them any other information right before he valiantly sacrifices himself, because like, he promised them contact. Right. You know, he didn't use his minute with Michael to be like, so my boss's name is this, you gotta go here. Cause like if he's willing to kill himself, presumably he has trusted Michael enough to like leave him alone with the next phase of the mission. Right. It is wild to me that Burt gives them nothing.
0: What well, yeah. Not even a hint
1: either. other than like, get this girl out of here. Well the thing
0: is at this point, like Burke has this weird, like religious awe Mm -hmm. to him. He
1: has this very, like, honestly parasocial, like, obsession with his new friends.
0: Right. But it's also just, like, in general, like, the whole thing about Burke is that, like, kind of the twist of last week that we didn't really talk about because there's nothing really to talk about last week. But, like, the idea is that, like... Burke is not just, like, a terrorist type guy. Mm-hmm. He is a true believer. In, in whatever like, the
1: fuck is happening. Whatever the
0: fuck is happening. And, like, it is something big. He is, like, he believes in it, like, with a cult-like intensity. He
1: is a holy soldier. Exactly.
0: And, like, he, he talks in those terms when he's talking to Michael. Mm-hmm. It's like, when you find the boss or whatever. I don't know, like, if Alana going could be another person who's working for the boss. If, like a lot of talls in charge if like where she is in the ladder. For a while I thought like she was his wife or something. Mm
1: -hmm. But he doesn't really talk about her like he's in love with her.
0: But he kind of does though. But but like in love
1: with like the idea of her. It didn't seem like, you know, she's very precious to me. It's like, it's all sort of external.
0: Because he talks about everything like that. He just talks like, anyway, that's where this one ends. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about some spy tips. Yeah, I guess. So there were only six spy tips total. Okay.
1: Yeah, it was also... It, I feel like the, just voiceover in general has been really light Yeah. recently because um, we've been doing so much more in scenes. Like now that there's more like... There, there's not Because they're not doing as much spycraft, they're like carrying out a task yeah. and having conversations with each other. There's not as much time. Like there's too much exposition going on on screen for right. them to
0: need to lean on the voiceover. So yeah, I know. I think it's sort of interesting. But we've got five here. Maybe they're all something. Okay. I took out the one that was definitely not something, mm-hmm. and it did not look too closely at these other ones.
1: Great. Let's do it.
0: All right. When you're planning to smuggle a listening device into a, a facility where you know you'll be searched, choosing, a pla- choosing where to hide it could be a life or death situation. Not only do you want to conceal it in a place that no one will think to look, but also in a place that no one will want to look.
1: Yeah, so that's the hiding. And the that's the hiding. And... In
0: the, yeah, and that's a cool idea.
1: Yeah, I think that's a cool idea, too. Yeah.
0: So we can keep that tip. Mm-hmm. Next. When an undercover cop wears a wire, it's often more for safety than for intelligence gathering. If the op goes bad, uh, his support team can pull him out. For a spy wearing a wire, those priorities are reversed. What matters is the intelligence. If the op goes bad, your support team just listens to you die.
1: So this was interesting and I liked it as a narrative device, uh-huh. even though that's not how this works because Burke is not a spy, Burke right. is obsessed with him at this point. Um, but it, this is like, what do I do with this information? I don't know either. I remember hearing this in the episode and being like, this is nothing.
0: Yeah. Then let's get rid of it. Well, then we're already out of spy tips. Yeah. We're already lost. Yeah. In- I
1: kind of expected that to be yeah. the case.
0: The trick to making someone look like a spy is to strike just the right balance between tradecraft that's good enough to be convincing, but bad enough to be detected. One of the easiest techniques makes use of cell phone GPS. If you know the phone is monitored, you can lay down a digital trail all over town and it will lead you straight to your target. How do you feel about this? It's
1: big, but I I understand what they're doing. Yeah. I like, yeah, that's fine.
0: Okay. Okay. Standard protocol for leaving a covert base is to destroy anything of intelligence value. Computer hard drives are smashed, documents are shredded or burned. Bottom line, if you need to convince someone that they found an abandoned CIA operations center, you gotta make a serious mess. But of course, none of that will do you much good if you get caught making that mess.
1: I mean, two things. First of all, no shit. (laughs) If you if you want it to look like somebody was destroying evidence, you should destroy stuff that looks oh, like evidence. I and mean, the other thing is that I feel like, certainly for the CIA and what we've seen in other media, including not for nothing, Mission Impossible,
0: uh huh, the movie, actual way that they
1: about a spy exactly the actual way that like intelligence agencies get rid of stuff is they clear it out like no one's ever been there before. And I know that's not convenient to him right now, but I feel like it's. Like the actual thing that CIA people do is clear out like they've never even been there, which we've also, not for nothing, seen in Burn Notice before where they go into a place and it's like, it looks like no one's ever been here. Right. Yeah. And they have their little slips and, or there's little slicks. Yeah. Their little slips. And, and the, yeah. And all of that good stuff. So like, not only do I disagree and so does the show. (laughs) Also, no shit. Like, yeah. this looks like a staged CIA thing.
0: It does. Like, little why little. is the
1: building not just fucking on fire?
0: That's a very good point. All right, so fuck that one, too. hmm So let's try for a possible spy tip 3 let mm-hmm. Let's Try for a hat trick. All right. Ironically, one of the best times to go after enemies is just after they think they've beaten you. No one expects an attack while well, they're still basking in the glow of victory. The key is to use the opponent's overconfidence. The more comfortable they are, that the they can handle any threat, the more likely it is that they will leave themselves vulnerable.
1: I think that makes sense. It's on the line, it but it doesn't matter anymore. But I do, like, basically that this is the scene where they're watching the Russian guys, like, taking everything from the fake CIA black site that's obviously a trap and, like, putting anything that they might be able to salvage into a car. And so, like, they're just, like, you know, they're basically doing a moving day thing. Yeah. And, of course, they're probably going to be a little bit less on guard because they think they just chased them away. Right, yeah. So, that tracks.
0: That tracks. Okay, we can, we can keep it. But who cares because it's only three. It's only three. And alas... So it doesn't get it for that. And Mm-mm. there's not an alias this week, is there? Mm-mm. Yeah, I don't
1: I don't think we're going to get an alias for a while. Like, oh, not true. until we deal with Burke uh, and whatever happens as a result of Burke, which now...
0: It's to be fair, we've dealt with Burke.
1: Right, but like what his deal is. Right. Because if Michael just keep going up the chain of Burke-related nonsense, he has to remain Michael. That's true. So... I kind of don't think we're going to get an alias. Oh, gosh, Maybe true. the whole season.
0: That is that is entirely possible. I think we'll get one. I hope so because it's, it's such a part of this show. Exactly. I think it's such a part of the show that they will do it. I think this is a sentimental show. I'm very curious to see how this show ends, mm-hmm. because I think it's a genuinely very sentimental show. I know. That I feel like...
1: And it, and they clearly know that they're ending. This yes. feels like a final season. It does. So yeah. So no alias. Was there spycraft over violence?
0: I don't know. Was there? Uh, yeah. Because yeah, they had fine. to keep
1: pivoting from yeah. like Dubov being like, I don't want to leave the house. I don't want to put pants on. Like I'm in my jammies. I, this was my me time. Do not make me leave the house.
0: Yeah. So We'll just order in, Michael. It's fine. We'll order in. Yeah. No. So that that's... It got that. Are there at least two supporting characters used well? Did Fi get to blow something up or be co-protagonist?
1: She definitely wasn't co-protagonist. No, she was and not. And I don't Did... think she blew anything I think they she just kidnapped him.
0: him. They just kidnapped him.
1: And drove him around for a
0: while. Yeah, no, she didn't blow anything up. Uh-uh.
1: She just planted evidence and, yeah. <laughs> and made a woman's nursing dreams come true.
0: <sighs> All
1: right. No uh... consideration for, like, do either of them have family? Like, I, I buy that the Russian operative doesn't, but, like... What's Eva's deal? Does she not have yeah. family here? Does like she know that she's going into bad witness protection?
0: We don't know because we never see her.
1: I and mean, it doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, no, not that. No.
0: Is Sam peak Bruce Campbell? He
1: complains. He compl- he uh he he wears a hat. <laughs> what else does he like this is an episode I think, where
0: like, it is a thing wherein if Sam and Jesse are doing fun buddy stuff, mm-hmm. we can kind of give it to both. Like we can That give, was kind of yeah. what I was about
1: to say. Is it's like maybe on their own, not quite as much, but they did have some fun buddy stuff. Exactly. And we got to watch them like smash up computers and bicker and trade hats.
0: So I think that gets the two supporting characters. Yeah, as well. for sure. Um, does Madeline get a genuine emotional moment with another character or get to do the case of the week? She does get to do the case but of the week. She does get to do the case of the week.
1: And especially now that they, they have like, all the boys are off you know, off-site and the girls are left behind. Like, it feels like they're going to have to include Madeline in all yeah. of this stuff, which is good. But it does mean that we have to watch her be somewhat incompetent in ways that don't make sense that I don't love. Right. That makes sense. But, yeah. So it got two characters. But, once again, that's not enough. Not enough. Like, if they're not going to do an alias, they got to at least give us spy tips. Yeah. And, like, I get why the spy tips have kind of fallen by the wayside because of the way that, like these plots are happening but it feels like these two episodes were kind of a waste of time they kind of were it, which is too bad because like the season started so strong it's so strong and these episodes didn't have to be a waste of time like yeah. i'm fine with the broad strokes of what happens in each of them yeah but like they both felt very perfunctory and expository right. in a way that didn't have to be that way it didn't have
0: to be that way like the epi- episode two like it's not as if the, that plot is particularly like good or something like mm-hmm. the, Like the actual like case mm-hmm. of that like episode is like good it's mm-hmm. because they're doing this fun like they're doing these like kind of flashbacks and they're doing like all mm-hmm. these like story hook stuff and like you can do that in these episodes yeah no it,
1: it, it just it feels very strange both of these episodes have all of the pieces to be really good but for whatever reason feel like rush jobs like they these really do these feel like
0: first or second drafts we haven't said this is an episode of television. Yeah, this yes. is an episode
1: of television, that's it. It's not a great episode of Burn Notice. It's certainly not a great episode of television. So, interesting. I do
0: think it's one of the more enjoyable Bariuses.
1: Sure, cuz it's not quite as like cops good. Yeah. <laughs> Family good. I wish I was writing a Fast and the Furious
0: yeah it's not that
1: but it's solid it's just it's too bad that we went from two great episodes of television and burn notice in a row to two episodes of television and that's it oh God. but you know it's kind of the burn notice thing but hey next week we've got a michael horowitz and the week after that we got a rashad Rosani and then after that we got a ryan johnson and peter i'm Deleonis. feeling good
0: about like yeah those
1: three i trust them i really trust all after i that, guess those four technically yeah
0: after that we got bridget tyler who did who, Who made the horniest episode. Yeah,
1: who we consider the standout episode of last season because it's just so off-the-walls horny. So I am very excited to see what she does with it. Yeah. And then we we close out the season with a bunch of co-writing episodes of people that don't usually co-write just to kind of give everybody one last script, which is sweet. Yeah. I'm particularly interested to see the Michael Horowitz-Rashad Rosani episode, which is going to be episode 11. Yeah, no, I'm... Because those, I think... At this th- point are my favorite writers.
0: Right, yeah, I think so. I think, like, that'll be an interesting... I'm going to say right now, if there's an alias, it's in that one.
1: Yeah, I, I can buy that. Yeah. I can buy that. And it's late enough in the season that maybe they've wrapped up, like, the biggest stuff. Right. And now we just need to do, like, one, you know, one last job yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah. Oh, I should also say, so last week for work, I did a workshop. You wanted to. Yeah, no. Last week for work, I was doing a workshop for um, some NYU students. Uh-huh. And I made a joke at the top of the episode after they read my bio. Because some places read my bio, some places I just introduce myself. But because they read my bio, they also read off the part where I'm <laughs> I'm known for the podcast Burn Noticed and Breaking Out of Break Again. And so like, I made a joke at the top when I was doing my housekeeping where it's like, keep questions until the end. This is how you ask questions, stuff like that. I was, I was like, you can ask questions about anything. You know, I hope that you ask questions about Burn Notice, since clearly that's a major thing for me, you know, just or something like that. Yeah. And at the end, there were only two questions, and the first one was like, well, you said Burn Notice. I had ask a Burn Notice question, so some, one of the students wrote it and was like, what's your favorite episode of Burn Notice? And, I was and like, they're like,
0: you had an answer ready. I
1: literally did. I was like, all right, so there's two. There's the platonic ideal of what Burn Notice is, and then there's like a genuinely good episode of the show that Burn Notice became. <laughs> platonically perfect episode of Burn Notice is Bad Break Season 2, Episode 13. However, I recently watched Season 7, Episode 2. And I I could tell them who wrote them. Like, I was like, I went on, like, truly a five-minute rant about what the best episode of Burn Notice was to these fucking NYU Tisch students at a school I couldn't get into. So, who's laughing now, NYU admissions?
0: This we have such a specific knowledge base that you can make a rom com out of it. Can <laughs> romance novel. Do you have anything else to say? All I have left to say is to. It's so funny because like you're gonna cut a bunch of that out, mm-hmm. and we're immediately you're, we're gonna go from like kind of normal to unhinged. <laughs> I feel like these past two episodes have
1: like last ep- didn't last episode wasn't that the one where I do a whole scene in the post office. <laughs>
0: We're in a mood today. We are in a mood. I, we've been in a mood for a while.
1: I know. I like. I think we both are feeling the weird end of the bell curve, sort of like, this is it. We're probably yeah. not going to do a podcast together for a while.
0: Yeah, no, totally. I. So we're just having fun with it.
1: We're just having a good time. We're just, just two girls. Time. Girls just want to have fun. Girls just want to have fun.
0: Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, Vincent El wants to make great music, like our theme music. If you want to hear more from Vincent El, you can go to vincentel.bandcamp.com. And there's nothing left to say, but bye.
1: I will also recommend uh, Cecilia Grant. I've only read one of her books so far, but it had a twist on a common trope that I really enjoyed. And I think I will enjoy reading more of her in the future. Also get a library card. Support your local library. Libraries are great.